I'm Joe Stracci, and I better start writing this down. Episode 8 Drive Me Crazy Forever Wild World Thanksgiving this year was the first major holiday that my wife and I hosted in the home we bought four years ago. We served dinner on the plates we received from my mother as a wedding present. She was happy when she saw the plates arranged in our kitchen cabinet when we first moved in. At the time, I said, Those are the plates we'll serve holiday dinners on one day. My mother smiled her usual proud smile and said, That's why I bought that. So, six months ago, we did, and she was there to witness it. After dinner, during the slightly drunken, bellies full post-holiday chatter, we all cleaned up. I complained out loud about our sponge. We'd recently started a new one, and after all the cooking and cleaning for Thanksgiving, it was already stained and torn. One of my many pet peeves. If I was rich, the first thing I'd do wouldn't be to buy a big house or a fancy car, I said. I'd buy an endless supply of sponges and use each one for a week and then throw it out. Everyone told me that I was crazy. They weren't wrong, but it didn't change how I felt about the sponge. I didn't know it then, but a seed had been planted in my mother's mind. From the time I was a child, Christmas Eve was always my mother's responsibility. Our relatives, who mostly live in Brooklyn, would make the trip to her house in the Bronx. As time has gone on, and people have gotten older, and some have become members of new families, the number of attendees has decreased. The past two years, a new tradition began to take shape. With a child now, and living an hour away, it wasn't feasible for my wife and I to sit talking and eating second dinner and opening presents late into the night. Just the four of us. My mother, my brother, me and my wife. So after our relatives had left to go back to Brooklyn, my mother and brother started driving up with us to our house in Connecticut. We'd unpack the leftovers and the gifts and resume where we'd left off. The added bonus was that we now got to spend Christmas morning together as well, which made my mother especially happy since she got to see my daughter begin to understand the joy of presents. My mother was the kind of gift giver who always had a preference about the order the gifts should be opened in. I'd do the same thing. She always saved the big gift, sometimes an envelope, sometimes the biggest box, for last. Leading up to the holidays, she would wrap dozens of gifts, 
but she somehow remembered which was the one she wanted you to open last. The big surprise. The big unveil. This year, the box she asked me to save for last was pretty big, about the size of a microwave. She watched with the same proud smile on her face as I tore open the wrapping paper, revealing an Amazon-branded cardboard box. Inside, red tissue paper and 52 sponges. We laughed and laughed. We took pictures and posted them on Instagram. Now you're taken care of for at least a year. Now you're taken care of for at least a year. She said. And we laughed some more. My mother always went overboard with Christmas presents. I think it was her way, an intensely hard worker, who gave my brother and me a comfortable, but obviously middle class life, of making up for feeling guilty about never quite having the funds to give us what we wanted all of the time. But this past Christmas was different. She went even further than her normal further. For me, and my brother, and my wife, who at this point she's known for almost 17 years. And of course, for my two-year-old daughter, Luna. When I called my mother on it that night, she dismissed it, the way she always did, with a wave of the hand. I had some extra money from working after school. I had some extra money from working after school. She said. But I know my mother, and one thing I know for sure, that she never had, was extra money. I'll never know for sure why my mother felt the need to pick this Christmas to go above and beyond her usual above and beyond. I'll never know why she picked this Christmas to give me a gift that would last quite literally a year. Her gifts were always thoughtful, always extravagant, but she managed to top herself one last time. My mother died on March 28, 2015. She was involved in a two-car accident on Route 37 in Connecticut, about 50 yards from where she would have turned left onto the road that leads to my home. She died about three hours later in the hospital. The death certificate lists the cause of death as blunt impact injury of torso and extremities. In the days after, as I worked on her eulogy, I kept fighting the urge to write it like a podcast script. I accounted for organic pauses and speech patterns, like this, and for the moments when the congregated would laugh. It was a success. My brother's was too. In the moment, I forgot about my wanting to record it, so that maybe, at some point in the future, when I was stronger, I could listen to it again and remember. But I forgot. Her death and the ensuing time after, it's been just over a month as I write this, 
wreaked havoc on my schedule for writing and recording this podcast. I recorded four episodes before I even posted the first one in February, so that I'd always be ahead of the game. That was the only reason I did it, though. Although now it seems prophetic in a way that all of my choices, as well as my family's choices before March 28th do. The same way the sponges do. The same way this year's Christmas loot does. I've got notes for future episodes, but in the past few weeks, the thing I've felt the most in the moment about, the only thing I've really felt like writing about, is her death. I turned my mother on to podcasts in the past year or so. When I saw her, we'd debate all the different episodes she'd listened to since I saw her last. She loved, like I do, that she'd found a way to inject knowledge and stories, some form of learning, into the moments of life that would have otherwise been ordinary. Washing the dishes, walking the dog, getting ready for work. So I put all that together. My pain, my forgetting to record her eulogy, her love of this medium, my needing to write and record a new episode. I realized it would be appropriate to honor her in this space. This is what I said. First of all, I want to thank everyone for coming tonight. Seeing how many lives my mom touched, the impact she had on the people around her, whether it was family or friends, or co-workers, is helpful to me. I also want to acknowledge my wife and say thank you to her. She has answered and made all of the phone calls, all of the texts, has been comforting me at night, all in the midst of having to deal with her own grief. It's a platitude, but it doesn't make it any less true. I couldn't have gotten through this without her. I've got a couple of stories that I want to tell about Jodes. As some of you probably know, that's what we called her. That I think will be helpful during a time like this. The first story goes back to when I was in the sixth grade. I was on a field trip, and a friend of mine, Kenny Fletcher, said to me, listen to this CD. Kenny was my musical spirit guide. He was the one who helped me to break out from listening to just the music my parents provided me with. Not that it was all bad, but he helped me to start to become my own person with my own taste. Bands like Nirvana, Green Day, and the band that he said I had to listen to during that field trip, Rancid. Rancid was a punk band from San Francisco, and the album he wanted me to listen to was called Let's Go. I bring up that small detail only to make my wife smile. When I met her in high school, she had a rancid patch on her book bag. She gave me her Let's Go t-shirt that she got at Lollapalooza. Anyway, like all of the music Kenny provided me with, Rancid blew my mind and so I somehow cajoled my mother into buying the CD for me. I don't remember how I pulled it off, to be honest. The songs had titles like Nihilism and Gunshot, 
and dope sick girl. The picture of the band on the back of the CD case was comprised of two of the members sitting in a car that had two forties resting on the roof. The other two members, guys with three foot high mohawks, back before mohawks were the norm at youth football camps, were wearing studded belts and leather jackets. And finally, the icing on the top of every mother's nightmare cake was the black nail polish painted middle finger that Tim Armstrong, the band's lead singer, also known simply as Lint, was proudly brandishing at the camera. There was a toothy grin on his face that seemed to say, I'm coming for your child. This was all happening when I was 12, in 1996. It was a different world. There were CDs, for one thing. Widespread internet was still in its infancy. There was no social media, certainly no Facebook. And because of that, a vivid memory of that life for me was of my mom on the phone. Probably talking to many of you sitting here tonight. Conversations that she held while she cleaned and cooked and unpacked after work. All while she tried to keep me and my brother from seriously injuring each other. Fast forward to one night in particular. It was the night before the end of a week's punishment for cursing in front of my brother. My punishment? Jody had taken away my shiny new rancid CD. When she took it, she'd said something along the lines of, Is this where you're learning that language from? Is this where you're learning that language from? She stuck it between the plates and the sugar bowl in one of the kitchen cabinets in our apartment on Edison Avenue. For any of you here who spoke to her on the phone regularly back then, I'm about to say something that may sound familiar. Joseph, I'm on the phone. Now, I'll be the first to admit it. I'm a terrible person to be on the phone around. And I can only imagine the stress of that, mixed with the stress of all of her daily responsibilities, mixed with the stress of the next day looming, all weighing on her while she talked to my Aunt Debbie on the phone, on the night before I would be allowed to listen to my rancid CD again. And so, scheming little manipulator that I was, I knew that it was the perfect opportunity to see about getting my seven-day sentence reduced to six. I sauntered into the kitchen, opened the kitchen cabinet where the CD was, and quietly got my mother's attention. I pointed to the CD and widened my eyes and gave the international praying hand sign for please. And with her eyes closed and the wave of a hand, without even interrupting her sentence, she relented. Because that's the kind of person she was. It's how she survived. She was always absorbing all of the things going on during her day and calculating how important it was to deal with right then versus how much she could give at that moment. So that's the end of the story. And I'll be honest with all of you, I told it not necessarily because it represented in a single moment some grand introspective synopsis of my mother. I just wanted everyone to laugh for a bit. 
because this is a terrible occasion. There's no escaping it. I've got a lot of regrets. My wife assures me that many of them, in time, will fade. But there's one in specific that I thought I'd try and put right tonight. My mom did a lot of things that drove me crazy. I was foolish to think that she would drive me crazy forever. One of the things that mortified me the most was her habit of showing whatever project I was working on or involved with, an interview, a short story, a podcast, a child, to all of her friends at school. And for her coworkers who are here, you should know that that's always how she described you all. Not as co-workers, but as her friends at school. And so I was mortified every time, because I knew that her showing off whatever it was was never preceded by the question, Hey, Mrs. Tracy, does your son have any new podcast episodes out? I imagined her just walking down the halls of PS 178, thrusting whatever it was into the faces of unsuspecting passerby. And when I'd ask her if that's how it went down, she would laugh and look away and say, Maybe? Maybe, maybe, maybe. For a long time, I didn't understand what would possess her to do it. How could someone feel such love and pride that it would cause them to lose track of basic social graces and their rush to make that love and pride known? And then I had a child. And suddenly, I wanted everyone to know about everything she did. Her first solids, her first curse, her 18-month-old pictures, all 70 of them. Sorry about that, by the way. The leaves were just so beautiful that day. And so I finally understood. And because now that I'll never have that again, I regret so, so deeply my response then that I was mortified by my mother's unbridled love so what are we left to make of all of this it's a tragedy that does nothing for me for my family for all of us except help us all to be further confused about all of the big questions about life that we all wrestle with So many of you in the past five days have told me that if there was anything you could do for me, to just ask. Well, I'm asking. Please go from here tonight and never be embarrassed to tell others about your love. Go from here tonight and never be embarrassed by those who are not afraid to tell others of their love for you. Do it for me, and do it for Jody, Elise, Mandel, Strachi, because it is quite literally what she would have done. Earlier, I massaged the truth, the final gift my mother gave me on what would be our last Christmas Eve together was indeed the year's supply of sponges, but the next morning, 
after Luna had opened the bounty of presents my mother had purchased her. When I see each one every day, especially the easel that Luna uses constantly, I am gnawed at by sadness and love. My mother pulled out one more present. It was a box about the size of a magazine, except deeper. She'd printed out and cut out all the artwork for all the podcasts that we liked. Shows that I had turned her on to. Radio Lab, This American Life, 99% Invisible, and glued all the cutouts to the box. Inside were little gifts from each of the shows. A Harry's shaving kit, a sponsor of many of the shows, a 99% Invisible t-shirt, of this American Life thumb drive. She had even ordered a Nick Drake CD after hearing the 99% Invisible episode that talked about him when she felt like he was an artist that I'd definitely enjoy. She was right. I was already familiar with him, but I'd made a note to listen to his stuff after hearing the same episode. Inside the box, was more printed and cut out artwork, layered like podcast confetti. She'd printed out far more than she needed and didn't want it to go to waste. Inside was a note. I debated including that note in this episode, but I ultimately decided against it. Selfishly, I want to keep some of her memory just for me. I'll leave you with one last tiny story because this is the only place I can even use it. It's a story that only works in the non-fiction telling. On March 28th, the day she died, when I got to the scene of her accident, after making sure her dog was okay, after they'd finally cut apart her car enough to get my mother out, I went to retrieve the three bags that I knew would be in the car with her. She brought the same bags with her whenever she planned on staying over. Her coach purse, her Vera Bradley overnight bag, and her tote bag with all of her schoolwork in it. I knew, even in the state that she was in, that somehow she'd be worried about it. The dog and the bags. Amidst the wreckage, mostly just thousands of small pieces of glass, I saw her phone on the passenger seat. I picked it up, shook more glass off of it. I turned it over and realized where the tinny voice I'd heard speaking was coming from. It was a podcast. The latest episode of Radiolab was playing. I know she was listening to it before she arrived because it was one of the shows we always talked about. I would have loved to talk about that episode with her. It was just about finished. For more information about I Better Start Writing This Down, visit ibetterstart.net. 
If you want to support the show, pledge a dollar or two at patreon.com forward slash I better start. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash I better start. I better start writing this down is sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash I better start, you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial and help to support the show all at the same time. How great is that? Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from. One title that I think IBS WTD listeners would enjoy is Horton Hears a Who by Dr. Seuss. As an educator, my mother loved Dr. Seuss. Horton Hears a Who wasn't her favorite Dr. Seuss book, but it was up there. And the best part? The Audible version I'm directing you to is narrated by Dustin Hoffman. Yes, that Dustin Hoffman. To download Horton Hears a Who for free, go to audibletrial.com forward slash I better start. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash I better start to help support the show and in return receive a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial. As always, there are two new mementos for this episode. Memento number one is the Scotch-Brite heavy-duty scrub sponge. Memento number two is the Melissa and Doug deluxe standing easel. Yes, that's the sponge my mom bought me. I can't recommend the one sponge a week regimen enough. It's a little wasteful, I suppose, but life's too short to use nasty, gross sponges. And yes, that's the easel that my mom bought for Luna, and Luna loves it. It's sturdy. It's withstood her beating so far. So give the budding artist in your life the right tool for the job in a nice germ-free environment and help support I Better Start Writing This Down at the same time. Remember, to support the show by purchasing the mementos, you have to use the memento URLs, which you can find on ibetterstart.net, as well as in this episode's show notes if your podcast app supports that feature. I Better Start Writing This Down has a rugged social media presence. Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, we're everywhere. All you need to remember, our username in all of those spaces, I Better Start. That's it. Hopefully, you wrote it down.
Grandma. What's that? Grandma. Grandma's? <laughs> Banana? Good. It's good? Good. Are you visiting Grandma? Okay, say no more. No more. 